Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with uh, Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby, Lubitz with you here on Believe. And uh, shoot the puck! Shoot the puck, Kozlov! I remember the frustration of uh, screaming to Victor Kozlov as he was doing uh, all of those uh, pirouettes in front of the net there for another futile Florida Panther team. Uh, we're, we're hoping our team is a little better this year. We want to get into talking some pucks here on the show. And joining us right now is Justin Bourne who has a, a new offering out, and it sounds very interesting, as a lot of his work also uh, sounds like it uh, is of this kind of genre, very uh, interesting and thought-provoking. He's the author of the book uh, Down and Back on Alcohol, Family, and a Life in Hockey. We welcome Justin to the broadcast here. Uh, Justin, how are you? Thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. It sounds like the uh, life story of Ty Domi. I mean, uh, give us uh, some of the... Uh, the background on the book here, uh, the inspiration for it, and, uh, you know, what it is uh, that uh, you're, uh, you know, sending out as a message uh, with this particular offering. Yeah, no, you know, it's, uh, I grew up in a, in a household where my dad won four Stanley Cups with the New York Islanders. So, as a, you know, as the subhead kind of notes there, life in yeah. hockey, to say the least, I grew up in those stretching rooms and, um, you know, went on to my own pro career and, and, you know, really the crux of the story is I wanted to talk about all the great things that hockey uh, is and does and all the different cultural touch, touch points within it. Um, I think there's a lot of good stories, when, whether you're talking about the partying or the trades or whatever. And so in that, I wanted to kind of use my story, my timeline to hit on all these different things within hockey that I thought were fun stories. But, you know, my own story can't be told without telling the story of my dad, who, again, won those cups, but ended up in rehab uh, three separate times for alcohol. And, um, you know, my own story of trying to sort of manage my relationship with him and in the process ending up in rehab myself for the same thing. So, um, you know, I just wanted to, to really connect with people who follow hockey, who have alcoholism, whether it's, you know, in their family, whether it's themselves, and just try to connect with people who, you know, live that same life and have felt hidden and isolated and lonely at times. But, you know, that there's there's light on the other side and about how to how to manage it and trying to find trying to find a way to better days, you know, which uh, which I'm glad to say is, is a place I'm at today. Well, you, you would think uh, winning four Stanley Cups, uh, as your father, uh, father Bob did uh, with the Islanders, uh, you know, it would be, uh, you know, something that would put you uh, on, you know, more of a platform of euphoria and uh, not necessarily in a position where, where you ended up having to uh, battle what, you know, for, for many people uh, is, uh, you know, a very difficult uh, disease and, and, and a very serious one. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, you know, my dad's era was a, they had a lot tougher time coming out of pro hockey. You know, I don't think he necessarily had, a problem while he played, although everyone drank at a higher level then. But you know, those guys didn't make enough money at that time to live forever comfortably. You know, my, my dad played 14 years, was an all-star, Canada Cup, Stanley Cup. The most he ever made was, I think, 200 grand in a season. And, you know, his first contract was 17, 19, and 21 grand for three years. Wow. You know, wow. like, he, he didn't get rich. So you come out of it, and, you, you know, you're looking for, you've had a comfortable lifestyle, but there's no guarantee, you know, he's 34 years old when he retires and he's got to live the rest of his life. And I think there's a lot of challenges for those guys 
you know, it's a little different now where you come out and you've got millions in the bank and hopefully, um, you know, a better support system and there's better understanding from the alumni association and all that. But, you know, to my, you know, for my dad's situation, I, I don't think it's hard to see how, you know, going out and having drinks and trying to recapture some old feelings is, uh, is something that would happen to a lot of former players. Different type of uh, person, uh, the uh, NHL player, you would have to say. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a cult unto itself uh, with a lot of different, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, some of the things uh, that go on uh, in the NHL. Uh, it does seem like, I, I guess, a gentle way of putting it, uh, diversity is not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, the essence of where the league is at even today. Well, you know, it's certainly making an effort. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. But the, the league seems to be making an effort. Um, you know, they've, they've partnered with the Hockey Diversity Alliance and um, are making some efforts to grow the game to the grassroots level. But no, look, it's, uh, that's the reality is that it has been a pretty, you know, white, generic uh, league, you know, that um, catered to a certain type of individual for a while. And I think they recognize now that, you know, that's not the best for growth or health or, you know, really for the quality of the product that they're uh, putting out there. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is a pretty unique cultural sport in that, um, you know, a lot of the guys are from, you know, colder parts of the world, whether it be Canada or, you know, Northern European places or whatever. So you do get a certain type of individual and culture, and it is something that uh, a lot of those places I just mentioned are, are known for encouraging drinking and, and behaviors that are related to it. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it was always thought, I, I guess, uh, you know, there's an element of truth to it still uh, that the uh, sport uh, doesn't translate uh, as well on TV as some other sports do, uh, especially, you know, if you experience uh, a live game. And there was a thought not long ago that, uh, you know, uh, the NHL it was uh, maybe uh, heading more towards extinction than it was. Uh, having a position, uh, you know, in, in the main focal uh, point, uh, you know, a main focus of, of sports fans. But uh, it, it seems to have turned around a little bit. I mean, uh, much better media contracts, much more exposure. And um, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but, uh, I, you know, and I've been watching the league since uh, there was a six-team original league. Um, I don't know that it's ever been any more exciting than it is right now. Yeah, no, the product is finally good. Um, and I say finally because it wasn't for a little while where there was, hooking and holding and you know that a lot of the rules limited the skill of the game you're right about it being even better in person like if you really get a sense for the speed that it's moving at and the physicality and the anger all these things that are really fun to be in person to like get a sense for that energy but no i listen i i played in alaska for i went to university in, in alaska so i i was up in the u.s watching you know at that time they had an nhl contract with their tv contract with the outdoor life network so <laughs> one game a week on the outdoor life that's as yeah. close as you can get to extinct without dying and now they're back, <laughs> again, and, you know, they're back buddy but they were they were teetering on the edge no doubt about it yeah, it's always rough when you're looking for your favorite sporting event. It's like on Court TV. Well, I know you have to run, and we wish you the best of success. Wish we had more time to talk. Justin Bourne, uh, his new book is uh, Down and Back on Alcohol, Family, and a Life in Hockey, which he certainly had uh, with his father, Bob, being on four Stanley Cup champions with the uh, Islanders, uh, one of the great uh, I mean, uh, generational teams uh, to uh, have that kind of success and, and a long run. And I remember uh, witnessing a, a lot of that uh, as, uh, of course, I became an Islander fan, leaving the Rangers behind uh, once they got great. Uh, so um, a pleasure having you on the program. Thanks so much for being with us. Best of luck with the book. 
appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Interesting guy there, Justin Bourne. I didn't realize that as he uh, came on, that Bob Bourne was his father. I, I was thinking he probably gets, uh, you know, a lot of mail addressed to Jason Bourne, thinking that, uh, <laughs> that you know, fictitious character. the Matt Damon character is actually a real-life guy. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting, man. No, now hockey, a bunch of hard-ons, aren't they? I mean, uh, look, it, it's still in the Stone Age, is it not, in terms of uh, progressive thinking? I mean, there's. I think most. Teams you you have, still have. Uh, I mean, do you not still have uh, some examples? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to think this because I, I don't like to think that there's racism anywhere. You know, not that I'm naive to it, but uh, I mean, uh, still, you you have guys uh, that that were fabled hockey players like Bobby Hall still coming out and saying, you know what, we don't need no black guys over here. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's crazy. I, Even I, there's much more African American black players now than ever i think most teams have at least someone and some teams have paul's dead players. by the way i should qualify he is, that he's uh, passed um yeah. so there are plenty of uh, not plenty there are more than there used to be uh it's still not the case and look justin said it they're, they're trying to get out into the communities uh grassroots and that's how, that's how you grow a game is to get out yeah. there and get younger black children playing hockey look my buddies growing up <laughs> The black kids weren't playing hockey. They just, they just weren't. Well, I mean, here we are in Florida. And uh, yeah, yeah, my son was kind of into hockey, although he ended up playing more uh, roller, roller hockey, hockey. I played roller than hockey. ice hockey because of uh, the availability of a uh, place to play. Whereas uh, a very expensive proposition, uh, our good friend Mark uh, Kotze, the uh, guy who did that loan for me, uh, outrageously. Uh, Michael you know, Kotze? Uh, Relentless. Yeah, Michael Kotze. I, I said Mark, but... Uh, well, Mark Kotze was the yeah, yeah, outfielder for the Marlins. Baseball the player, A's. yeah. <laughs> Cal State Fullerton. I remember covering him yes, when he was out there. Uh, but uh, Michael Kotze, uh, Choice Mortgage Bank. If you need a loan, man, this is the guy to go to. Uh, no question about it. Choice Mortgage Bank. Look him up. And uh, Michael Kotze is like the uh, main guy behind all of this. And uh, fantastic. But he has a couple of kids that uh, I think he might have three boys that, that play hockey at some level. One professionally in Europe. Uh, a couple of in the uh, juniors, um, one I think believe plays in college, and he said it, it's an expensive proposition. You know, I mean, uh, and I guess uh, in Canada, uh, the, these kids, uh, you know, end up leaving their homes at like 13. Yes. And going and living with somebody else so they can play in junior hockey. Yeah, and playing like leagues. Yeah, like as an adult. NHL, though, I, I don't think it's ever been better. I mean, they have more stars than they ever had before. Uh, I, I don't know that you would consider the talent pool to be watered down. It does seem like there are a lot of good teams. Uh, you have the Boston Bruins uh, writing an historic yeah, uh, story this year, uh, having possibly a record tying or breaking season in terms of wins. They've been great. You know, you would have to be bell to bell, but they've maintained it all throughout the season, rarely slumped. And uh, we, of course, uh, have the issue uh, in our town. Uh, I don't know how many uh, Universal Florida Panther fans there are, but uh, I don't know how many there are here. I, I guess enough to fill the arena. And maybe is that about it? Yes. What would you say? Well, I mean, I don't know if they're filling arenas, but there are people there. <laughs> Games are exciting. I, I went to uh, one game this year. It, it was very, exactly. very exciting. Exactly. Mr. Hockey expert, Mr. Don Cherry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know a lot about this sport. No, I, I've been a fan forever. I mean, I, I, I was a diehard Ranger fan. Uh, I, I never really did root for the uh, Islanders during that period of time, but it was great uh, what they were doing. And, uh, you know, we've become friends with uh, some of the guys on the team there. Uh, that, that played during that era. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, a, a dynastic team that I know ha had many, many great players that, that uh, you know, have since received a lot of the recognition that they so richly deserve for winning four Stanley Cups, right? 
That was, uh, you know, and, and we thought maybe we were going to have uh, some of that uh, same premise applicable to the team here, right? We had Bill Torrey, who was, uh, you know, the uh, big, you know, big executive yeah, behind uh, the Islanders' success, and he came here with the original Panther team. They did well out of the shoot, right? Made the yes. Stanley Cup final in their third Within year. Three, Incredible. Yep, yep. And then... <laughs> they got the arena that's supposed to be the panacea for the all success. Days, you know, you get us a building, man. We will win and win and win. <laughs> and all they did was, uh, well, they won at the box office in terms of uh, getting all of the capital on a very favorable deal and uh, all of the concession money. And now they're whacking you for 35 to park. So for that, they better make the postseason, no? Well, they're in Would right you be now. inclined after uh, dissing the team all year to go to a postseason game, Luby? If offered free tickets, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, 100%. Games are fun. I Me just, too. Not yeah, they're very, very entertaining, no doubt. They got, and I, I think that's a valid question, is the uh, Matt Kachuk trade, is that not uh, probably the most lopsided trade in, in South Florida history in terms of a South Florida team holding the edge? Yeah, because that's every, the Almost every other trade has gone the opposite way, where they've been dumping players for salary reasons. Yep. Oh, look at Larry Tunsil. He just signed like a huge deal. I mean, yes. how valuable is he to Houston, Texas? A nothing. crummy team that's looking to make it. And, and they just paid him like $300 million after uh, we let him go for a song and a dance. Yeah, I think picks. we got a pastrami sandwich. Got picks that we wasted. And a table of Joe's Stone Crabs for that. That was it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, not by the kitchen. Early bird, though. Be here before six. <laughs> That was it for Laramie Tunsil. They were giving players away here like, like there was no tomorrow. Football, basketball, we never really did that. Uh, we did uh, benefit from the Shacquisition, uh, I, uh, I would say. But as lopsided as it was, Lamar Odom did end up becoming an integral part of a He was all right, team. yeah, if he wasn't so doing wasn't the like, crack, yeah. <laughs> it was one sign in the sense that Shaq helped the Heat go to a conference finals and win a title. And that uh, was his purpose. But Odom... And Butler were a part of teams that did contend, so it wasn't like they didn't contribute. Like, yeah, Karan Butler was a decent player. Yeah, he's doing not like Huberdeau has has a, le, less than half the points that Kachuk has. Like, Hubie has disappeared close. from the planet. No, nobody talks about him anymore. Well, Calgary may as well be uh, hockey purgatory. No, yes. what would be worse, Winnipeg? I don't know. Do you know anybody on the Winnipeg Jets? No, but they win. I feel like they win. Yeah, so they get some attention. I, I mean, the Flames, uh, you know, have, have very rarely been been a factor in, in the NHL. Although, I, I don't know, I'd imagine they're popular there. What else is there to do there besides build igloos in Calgary? What do you think? <laughs> I have no idea. Is that a more temperate part of Canada? Is it out west? Sure. I don't know. Way where. west, man. They got cowboys. No, it's probably stuff. cold as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to run. Uh, speaking of cold, uh, we, we had uh, a great time. If you want to catch uh, our interviews uh, with both uh, Dusty May who is the uh, head coach uh, at uh, Florida Atlantic University, the Owls, now in the Sweet 16, and Jim Laranega. Uh, always a brilliant uh, conversation with Jim Laranega. He, he, he uh, has to be one of the easiest interviews in the history of interviews, is he not? He's just fun. And he offers up he great stuff. He gives you yeah. something, no matter what you ask. Yeah, you know what? I mean, he's like 72 or three years old, and, and he seems so relatable to the players. I mean, that's not easy. I don't know if I was hanging around with a bunch of 18-year-old, 19-year-olds if I would be so relatable, Luby, what do you think? No, Even you, you would, at 40. You would not be. <laughs> no. But he is, well, he surrounds himself, I'm sure, with a young staff, and he's big on moving forward. Like, he, he's an old school dude in a sense, but he plays a new school game, and kids can get behind that. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's amazing. Yeah, pushes the ball up the court. He talked about that. If you want to catch those interviews, South Florida Live, yep. our YouTube channel, please subscribe if you're a fan of yeah, our love to have you. after hours. Uh, we're, we're really on our game during hours. <laughs> and we were today with those uh, interviews, so I think you'll enjoy that. Hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, it's always great being here on Believe. I, I don't think I'm alive in the Believe Bracket Contest. I, I only have seven of 16, sweet 16s. I feel like more people have more than that. I, I, I literally, I, my my bracket looked like Larry Zonka's nose. <laughs> That's like Just like it wasn't even, it was like on the side of my face. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, very early on. And I'm uh, imagining that that was the case for a lot of people. Uh, we will uh, hopefully Thursday have Brandon Lane coming back with us on we Believe should. here. Yep, and yep, uh, yep. yeah, he, he's great. I don't know how he fared in the first round of the tournament. I'm sure, you know, like everybody, you suffered his share of losses. But, um, you know, it, it uh, will be a lot of fun uh, seeing how he reacts to what is now the Sweet 16, which uh, we have the two coaches, two of the uh, 16 coaches joined us uh, on our program this morning. So check that out. And until then, uh, whether you're in last place in your office pool or you made like some giant score in Fairleigh Dickinson on the money line, remember, uh, no matter what it is you're thinking, no matter how far-fetched it seems to be, you got to believe. From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.